a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots at RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, 20th of February. Welcome to it. Good evening, Diane. Good evening, Craig, and how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I got to watch the Daytona 500 yesterday. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be on Sunday, but it uh, got rained out. It was rainy, basically, over the whole state. Looked like a monsoon there on Sunday in Daytona Beach. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of rain. But it was a good race, you know, last night. Big wreck at the beginning, big wreck at the end, but... Um, it was, it was a, a pretty good race to watch. Yeah. I you know, didn't guy, watch it, but on occasion I do. I that never won it before won it, uh, Byron or William Byron, uh, is the guy's name driving the number 24 car. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty exciting when it got down to the, the last few laps, they were all bunched up together. And of course that's what always causes what they call the big one. So, oh Yeah. And yesterday oh, yeah. was no exception. You know, it's it's interesting watching the Daytona 500 because now they start in daylight, but they finish under the artificial lights. You know, okay. so you've got a lot of you know changes in temperature and the track conditions and you know all that. You know, it always used to be in the afternoon, but now it's kind of a late afternoon, early evening affair. Okay, kind of, kind of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, We've got some interesting stuff to talk about tonight. Diane, you're covering border solutions, maybe. And I've got Puddinhead and Virtue Signaling Fools. Gee, I wonder what that's about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's a little bit of snark in that. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But before we get to any of that, We've got some important business that we've got to discuss, starting with Joe Biden's betrayal of Israel. When this came across the wires yesterday, I frankly, I wasn't surprised, but good grief. What the hell? First of all, it's uh, Biden's betrayal of Israel by proxy. It's really Obama's step up digging the knife even deeper to his nemesis, right. Netanyahu. 
it's well known Obama cannot stand Netanyahu. Well, and Netanyahu's no fan of Obama either. Neither am I. (laughs) Um, But the, um, you know, now he's getting at him through his little puppet, Biden. And uh, Biden is doing basically the unthinkable. And he is taking to the UN. And I believe it was presented today, but don't hold me to it. uh, Because I haven't perused, you know, the site yet to find out if it went through or not. But um, it was supposed to be as early as today, so it doesn't mean it was right. today. He wants a temporary ceasefire in the Israeli-Hamas war, and he wants talks started about a Palestinian state. Thankfully, Bibi Netanyahu is something that Biden and Obama is not. He's a man, not a coward. He's going to finish this war. He's going to get it settled once and for all so that Israel, nor anyone else, ever has to worry about Hamas again. And he's basically going to tell them, shove it. And rightly so. It just goes to show really how irrelevant the UN has become. You know, Mm -hmm. Biden, you know, on, on Obama's behalf... Uh, mm-hmm. is going to the U.N. Security Council, uh, and they're going to eventually vote on this thing. Right. Um, it is 100% a pro-Hamas move. You know, any, any kind of temporary ceasefire in that war simply allows Hamas to regroup and rearm. Well, I also look at it as not only pro-Hamas, but it's anti-Israel, anti-the Jewish people. It rings of anti-Israel, anti-Semitism, any other anti-thing you can basically throw in, anti-Zionist, whatever you want to throw in. The What the UN doesn't get is Bibi is now on to them. They were part and parcel of Hamas's attack, at least one of their subgroups were. The UN is basically useless. It has, it, you know, it, it says technically they have power to say you have to stop this and that and whatever. No, they don't. Because that all depends on the country they tell to knock it off. Right. You know, and in this case, Bibi Netanyahu is not going to knock it off. Uh, right. In fact, uh, Israel and Bibi, they're planning, um, I, I don't want to say a ground invasion, but a ground offensive in Rafah. And mm-hmm. Bibi has given Hamas until Ramadan to turn over all the remaining hostages. And if they don't, then it's full steam ahead in Rafa. Well, chances are, and I hate to say this, but few, if any, of the hostages, I believe, are still alive. I'd be very happy if they were, but I'm not going to count on it this far out. Um, look, in my opinion, all of Gaza needs to be raised. Let the Arab countries take in their own people. Let Jordan, let the kinglet take back his own people. Let other Arab nations give up 
pieces of their their land for a so-called Palestinian state, if that's what they really want. Um, Israel doesn't have to give one bloody inch of their land to these animals, nor should they be rewarded for what they did on October 7th. And like I said, he's man enough to stand up to whatever anyone throws out. In fact, this is part of the text, according to Biden, the U.S. text, and it says, quote, it determines that under certain circumstances, a major ground offenses, offensive into Rafa would result in further harm to civilians and their future displacement, including potentially into neighboring countries. Well, you know what? Too damn bad. The neighboring countries are Arab, just like they are. So they should be taking in their own people, but they know that these are the bottom of the barrel and they don't want them. But tough. Why should Israel get stuck with them? And uh, further harm to civilians? I have heard few, if any, of the Palestinian civilians condemning Hamas. Yeah, that seems to be a, a big issue, you know. And also a big issue is the fact that Biden is more worried about everybody else's border than he is about our own. He doesn't give a damn about our own border because our own border dictates into votes for him. He doesn't want to Uh, displace Palestinians into some other Arab country's border. Well, well, good Lord, look at our border. doesn't give a shit about that. Well, I'll get into that in the second half hour. But um, let's put it this way. The reason Biden is doing what he's done, we know Obama's hands in it. But flat out, Rashida Tlaib, her mark is all over it because she told Biden that unless he condemns Israel, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not using her, you know, exact words, folks. She's yeah, he's not going to get the Muslim vote. You know what? Screw the Muslim vote. Yeah, well, I mean, she's literally telling people in Michigan, and unless Biden you know, does what she says, stay at home and don't vote. And I'm thinking, fine, that's good. Yeah. Not that you they know? vote a lot anyway, except when a Muslim is running. Well, you know, uh, like I said in an article a while back, uh, Biden is Obama's proxy. So, mm-hmm. you know, a vote for Biden is a vote for the Muslim. Yeah. So, you know, BB's going to go full speed ahead. Uh, I'm glad he is. Um, With Hamas, there's no such thing as a temporary ceasefire. All it will do is give them time to regroup. Bibi's not allowing that, and rightly so. Hamas needs to be totally and completely destroyed. Israel has already taken out a lot of their top people. Uh, Not all, because remember, Iran... But he's taken out a good chunk of them, and he needs to do the rest. In my opinion, level Gaza, turn it into a no-man's land. Well, you know, there's members of the U.N. who were very, very upset um, last week when Israeli forces went into a uh, hospital in Gaza Mm -hmm. and raided the hospital. You know, how dare Israel do this? Well, 
How dare Hamas use hospitals and schools and apartment complexes and all that as human shields? Exactly. I mean, you know, not a word from the UN about that. Just, just yeah. you know, how dare Bibi? So. Well, let's put it this way. The bottom line is, if this was any other country but Israel, if this was England or France or Italy, any country but Israel, the world would be standing behind them. But because it's Israel and because it involves right. the Jewish people, we are seeing anti-Semitism overtly in the open dictating how this small little country is supposed to act. Imagine if all these nasty people had said after 9-11, you can't do anything. Right. October 7th is Israel's 9-11, proportionately wise. And I'm sorry, screw him. Baby needs to do what he needs to do 100%. I 100% agree. Next up, it must be an election year because COVID vaccines are back in the news. Yeah. And folks, this will dictate probably my 35th COVID article very (laughs) shortly. But things I have been warning people about in my articles about the safety of this vaccine has now been proven to be true, and I wrote about it years before this. Basically, um, researchers from the Global Vaccine Data Network analyzed data from 99 million, we're talking million here, folks, vaccinated individuals. Our country, I don't even think, tested it on 1 million before it was shoved down our throats. And basically what they found was an increase in 13 different serious medical conditions in people who received the COVID vaccine. And it ranges from serious heart condition, dropping dead for seemingly no reason, neurological damage, blood damage, the list goes on and on. And especially something called um, myocarditis, which is inflammation of the actual heart muscle. And it's very serious. Well, There's and risks that, of blood clots in the brain. I mean, the list it just goes on and on. The myocarditis, in fact, has affected a lot of young people. Yeah, and they've been would, dying. That would mm-hmm. never have had that. Had it not been for the the vaccines and the repeated jabs for boosters. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, let's face it, every time a new strain of COVID comes along, they come up with a new vaccine and all of it is experimental. None of it has been properly tested and every bit of it is dangerous. Yes, and this is especially associated with the mRNA vaccines. And those are the main ones that have been out in this country. Now, I'm sorry to say this, folks, but I'm going to say it. The vaccine in this country was was rushed to market too damn fast. And I'm sorry, Trump is going to have to live with that. 
Operation Warp Speed was an operation, as far as I'm concerned, a failure because young people now who listened, especially young people, they don't have their lives to look forward to anymore. More and more of them are getting severe reactions, many dying. You know, when that whole thing started, Tony Fauci was pushing, 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 pushing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It became apparent very quickly that Tony Fauci was off his rocker with this stuff. Oh, yeah. Trump, Trump you know, put up warp speed at Tony, Houch, Tony Fauci's behest. Which he never should have done. He didn't but, have to do it. But he did it. And we wound up with a vaccine that is actually probably more dangerous than the virus it's trying to counteract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, people, you know, rush to get the vaccine and it never helped. No. You know, people got all shot up with it. And they still got COVID. And what's what's funny is, and I'll use my uh, my own family for a, an example. My husband worked with COVID patients every single day, had to run tests on them, had to do breathing tests on them, etc. Never took the vaccine. Refused it. Here it is, they're coughing, whatever. Never did it. Came home, I never took the vaccine. We went out in public, we lived our lives. The only time we put a mask on was when we had to go someplace where it said masks mandatory in a particular place, like a bank, a restaurant, whatever. To this day, neither one of us have gotten COVID. And yet, the doctors in his office who did take the vaccine and the boosters and all the other employees, the nurses, the techs, etc., every single one of them has had COVID two and three times. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it, the whole thing uh, has been an exercise in futility, but the only people laughing all the way to the bank is Big Pharma. Yes, you know, they're, they're making a literal killing, so to speak. Absolutely. As soon as this, this COVID came out, I had published an article saying, folks, don't be fooled here. You've got to look, know a little, not so much medical background, but scientific background. This was, yes, a naturally occurring virus in bats which was manipulated and genetically engineered to become a bioweapon. Nobody believed me when I put it out. Well, a lot of them are believing me now. Well, the proof is out there, and and that's what this report that came out yesterday is alluding to. I mean, they've got plenty of cases now that proves without a shadow of a doubt these vaccines are dangerous and they're killing yes. people. Yes. This is not like the um, polio vaccine or the, the measles and mumps vaccine that, or the 
you know, all the other vaccines the, that we take, those things went through decades of testing before they were put on the market. Here we have a vaccine, thanks to Fauci and Trump listening to Fauci, that was rushed to market in less than a year. You cannot test the the needed amount of people needed for side effects in less than a year. And yet they did. And, you know, they're now saying, oh, well, we saved so many lives. Yeah, you did save so, a certain amount of lives. But how many people would have recovered anyway and gotten natural immunity then? Well, and, and how many people who actually lived through it, maybe had their lives saved by it, and when I say it, I mean the vaccines, how many of them are going to have severe medical issues in the long run because of the vaccine? They already are. You know, I mean, this is what we're seeing showing up now. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, vaccines are good good things. I'm not anti-vax. But if I'm going to put something in my body, I want to know that it's been tested on millions of people, that it's been proven safe. Yes, you're always going to have some people that have an anaphylactic reaction and unfortunately could die. But that's few and far between, except for this vaccine. It's an altogether different situation. Very different. You know, but it is an election year. So mm-hmm. you can count on COVID making a return. Absolutely. You know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and we'll go, go through all of this again. Speaking of election years, Nikki Haley uh, was out on the stump today in South Carolina. And she says she's not going anywhere. Yeah, I watched her speech. She did a state of the campaign speech at around noon EST today. And I'm telling you, she is formidable. She doesn't need a teleprompter. She knows what she's saying. She's, I think she's terrific. And I I really wish her well. I mean, probably in the end, it's going to be Trump. Probably. Yeah, I'm not going to say totally 100%. You know why. My next week's article talks about that. But it most likely will be Trump. But I'll tell you, Nikki Haley is damn good. I don't care who she took campaign money from. You know, maybe we do need some bipartisanship in this country because you know what? As dangerous as the far, far left is, so is the far, far right. Well, I think personally, she if she thinks there's some way she can collect enough delegates to win the nomination. No, she won't. I'm sorry. If she can, if she thinks... She can collect enough delegates to win the nomination. She is too delusional to become the president. I don't look at it that way. I think I she knows. I honestly, I honestly think she knows that she cannot get the delegates. I think what she's counting on 
is if something happens with one of the Trump trials and he's convicted of a felony. I think that's what she's counting on more than anything else, which will turn off the independents. If they and, give I, I the mean, that, she she has to know that she's not going to get the nomination as it stands now. I don't think she's delusional by any means. She stood up there today and she said, I'm paraphrasing, that everybody thinks it's inevitable that Donald Trump is going to win the nomination and, quote, I'm not going to let that happen, unquote. Right. More power to her. He can't stop it at this point. I don't she's think anybody gonna, can stop it. She's going to lose think the, all, sorry, she's going to lose all 50 states. This Saturday, she's going to get pounded in her own home state of South Carolina. Right. And she said she's not giving up even if she is. And I give her a lot of credit for that. It shows she's in this for the right reasons. And, you know, even though she's not going to get the nomination, I think she'll be a nice little thorn in Trump's side. I I don't think he's even... I don't, I don't think he's worried about her in the least. She's got as much chance of winning that nomination as Doug Burgum, Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ron DeSantis have if you put all their votes together. She's not going to win this nomination. Um, in fact, I know that. In fact... I, I can almost guarantee you that by the middle of March, Trump will have accumulated enough delegates to win the nomination. Once he gets he might- past Super Tuesday and a couple of weeks after that, he will have enough delegates to secure the nomination. But you know what? You can have the delegates now. But until that convention in July, a lot of states have it where the delegates can change their minds. So until that that convention, he cannot 100% say the nomination is mine. Chances are it will be. I'm not saying it won't be. It will be Trump. But I, I really, I'm just well, telling I you. wish it wouldn't be, but I know it will be. But I think Nikki Haley is a bigger threat to Trump than a lot of people realize. Let me tell you something. If a fast one gets pulled at the convention, either by the delegates or the RNC, the substantial amount of Trump voters that are out there will raise holy hell, and they will not vote for whoever gets put in as the nominee. And I, I just, I can just see that coming. If if we a get fast Biden. one get, if a fast one gets pulled, all hell is going to break loose. The RNC would be committing political suicide. Not that they don't need to, 
Because right now, I think the RNC is just about as useless as the UN. But, you know, they're going to they're gonna have hell to pay if, if those uh, delegates pull a fast one or the RNC pulls well, a fast one. Well, they're already trying to pull a fast one with um, Roma out. You know, she's going out, and they're going to have someone else come in. And now Trump wants his daughter-in-law, who I happen to like. I think she was great on Fox, Laura Bush. I, I mean, Laura Bush, Laura Trump. I think Laura she somebody. Was, yeah, Laura somebody. I think she was wonderful. I really like her. But he's trying to push her in as vice chair. He's got no say in the matter. It, no, but if he, you know, he's got enough of his diehard Trumpers that they'll push it through. And that's a very bad visual. Well, at least, at least you know, people will have something else that they can complain about Trump about. But, I mean, you know, we don't even know if Laura Trump is interested in being the vice chair. She hasn't really said. She hasn't come out against it, but she hasn't come out for it. So I really don't know. Yeah, and and I think, to her benefit, keeping her mouth shut at this point is probably a good thing. And I can, think of, I can think of one other Trump that should take a lesson from that. You mean uh, the head Trump? Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of the comments he's made, you know, over the past couple of weeks, it'd be like better about off not, uh, the I, uh, Putin's I opposition have, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, the you death know, of I, we don't have time to get. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we don't have time to get into it because we're at the bottom of the hour here. But yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes. Shutting up is the best thing to do. Trump doesn't know how to do that. But we have hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take a quick break. Now, 30 minutes from here, I'll be talking pudding head and virtue signaling fools. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour break, Diane's got it with border solutions, maybe. So stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, 
Check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. We're getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show, and if you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, hit the podcast button, and have at it. All right, so a lot of people probably don't realize we seem to have an issue at our southern border. And but you know nothing gets past Diane. <laughs> I mean that you know it it I mean they're trying to sneak this whole border thing past everybody. But Diane, no, she's on top of this border solutions. Maybe. And let's start with this quote: The Biden administration has raged war against the immigration system of the United States. The results speak for themselves, as each memorandum regulatory action or policy decision is announced, the crisis at the southwest border grows exponentially. There is a direct correlation between these policies and the exploding number of encounters, the number of known and unknown gotaways and backlogs at both USCIS and the immigration courts, end quote. That was said by Joseph B. Edlau. He's the former acting director and chief counsel of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. The border, our unsecured southern border, is a key point of contention this election cycle as illegal crossing numbers skyrocketed during Biden's term in office. And while Joe Biden, along with House impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, purposely and willfully continue to turn a blind eye to what amounts to an invasion of young military-aged men entering illegally into our country, no, they do so in an effort not to draw even more attention to what is now a serious election liability for Biden. In fact, the situation at the border has become so bad, contrary to White House claims, that Biden himself has started espousing some of the very immigration policies he claimed he was against back in 2020, including his threatening to shut down the border if need be, something we know he will never do, as Obama will never allow it. And while what appears to be the administration's obviously self-serving and highly politically motivated attempt to slow what they refer to as normal ebbs and flows of border crossings, the fact remains that not only has Joe Biden done absolutely nothing of substance to address said border issue, but that within a few weeks of his entering office in 2021, he signed over 90 immigration related executive orders reversing President Trump's highly successful immigration policies, thus weakening our nation's border security. And also know that the Biden State Department must also shoulder a good part of the blame 
because they've done not a thing in regards to setting up much-needed additional regional processing centers, centers which could allow those trying to reach our border to legally apply for asylum before they arrive at or actually cross into our country illegally. And these mostly young men continue arriving in droves, and not just from Central and South American countries, but from Middle Eastern, African, and Asian countries as well. Countries which have little to no like or respect for we as Americans hold dear, including the rule of law that is our constitution, our personal freedoms, and our societal norms. Trying to turn our country into the very third world disasters they left behind, Border Patrol agents have found not only drug smugglers trafficking dangerous narcotics like fentanyl across the border, but convicted criminals as well as a growing number of terrorists, including some on the FBI's terrorist watch list, embedded amongst run-of-the-mill illegals trying to get here for all the Democrats promise free stuff. And Craig, know that now there is virtually no wall they have to climb over. What with the border gates being opened, nor a processing weight in Mexico means even if they become gotaways or not, they know they will be released to go wherever in our country they want to go. You know, our southern border is not only the border with Mexico, thanks to Biden and Obama, it is now the border to the world. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you said, you, we've got people coming here from all over the damn planet and, and just skating across that southern border. You know, yeah. it, it used to be that, you know, border control was kind of one of those things that, you know, uh, move along, nothing to see here. You know, we've got this under control. That's what my orcas always told us. But now it's, it's really out in the open, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, not only is our southern border now a purposely unsecured mess, thanks to Biden's failed immigration policies, policies amounting to what in reality is an open border fiasco, but that both he and his administration not only have deliberately and with malice intended failed to enforce and uphold our immigration laws currently on the books, but that they no longer even try hiding the sad fact that they care more about foreign borders than they do about our own. And with a growing number of illegals continuing to breach our southern border with Biden's ending of Title 42, coupled with those already freely roaming around our country, Biden and crew care even less that these folks are directly jeopardizing not only the health, safety, and welfare of we American citizens, but America's national security as well. Now, this is another quote. The Department of Homeland Security recently noted in its 2024 threat assessment that terrorists and criminal actors may exploit the elevated flow of migration and increasingly complex security environment to enter the United States. That was said by Senator John Thune. He's from South Dakota. Now, how so? 
Simply the numbers speak for themselves. With the border crisis continuing to get worse by the day, know that since Biden took office, over 6.2 million persons have already been caught trying to illegally enter in our country through our southern border. And that does not include the more than 1.7 million and those who came here knowingly breaking our laws are indeed criminals courtesy of their very actions, while rubber stamping illegals has become but a ploy to garner votes lost when Biden threw black Americans under the bus. Now also know that in 2023 alone, 169 persons on the FBI's terrorist watch list were caught trying to enter our country, 60% more than in 2022. And that does not include the 47 hardcore criminals with long and violent criminal histories being caught almost each and every day. Basically, Craig, what Biden has done over these past three years is undermine our immigration laws as well as the Constitution itself. For nowhere in the Constitution does it say that we must take into our country criminals or those wishing to do us harm. And those who come here knowingly breaking our laws are indeed criminals, courtesy of their actions, while rubber stamping illegals, again, has become but a ploy to garner votes Biden lost when he threw black Americans under the bus. Okay, so the numbers are staggering, and they bear repeating because people need to understand the the scope of the crisis that's going on in this country uh, down there at our southern border. But it's not just the border, okay? It's the entire country that is suffering. So... You know, with all the numbers in mind that you have in this op-ed, what can be done about it? I mean, what are the possible solutions to this? Okay, first, we must lock down our southern border while making sure those wanting to be here have legitimate reasons for doing so. But know that locking down our border is indeed possible, even with is indeed possible even without having to build thousands of miles of wall. And while walls are surely deterrents, they are not absolute, as one can go under or over a wall no matter how high or how deep its foundation is built. And folks, Israel's a perfect example of that. We know neither Joe Biden nor his puppet master Obama want our border locked down because to lock it down denies one of them much needed votes, which in turn denies the other the power to just turn our nation brown, but also halts for now anyway, the fundamental transformation of America. And besides, the wall will not be built. The Democrats will never allow it. So the security factor involved in keeping our citizens safe must be turned over to the individual states to do as they alone so choose. So here are but a few border possibilities that might prove successful. Possibilities that might seem harsh at first, but possibilities that unequivocally do work. And the first possibility is known as a security envelope. A security envelope in relation to a country's border involves buffer zones, 
basically no man's land, if you will, not a wall you climb over or a gate you just walk through from one country to another, but a significant strip of land you dare not enter as it could well become land you might die on. In fact, Israel has already let several Arab nations, including Egypt, Jordan, and the UAE, know that it is currently developing plans for such a security envelope to be put into place after its war with Hamas comes to an end. Consisting of so-called special zones, coupled with preset arrangements, including electrified fencing, that will prevent Hamas from ever again being positioned along or near Israel's border. And while those supporting the Palestinians might say this would take land away from Gaza, that is most assuredly not the case, as it primarily involves land on Israel's side of the Gaza border. As per Benjamin Netanyahu, senior advisor Mark Regev, quote, a security envelope is not Israel taking away territory from Gaza, On the contrary, it is creating security zones where you have a special situation on the ground which limits the ability of people to enter Israel to kill our people. It's common sense, end quote. And by special situation on the ground, it means specially trained military personnel ready to do what needs to be done, as in kill, if said envelope were to be breached by the enemy. Simply, Craig, in Israel's case, Hamas or other such nasties will never again be able to just cross over the border into Israel to slaughter Israelis ever again. Okay, so along with this security envelope or buffer zone, whichever you know you want to call it, aren't there other things that have to be done in concert with that to really make a buffer zone or a security envelope workable? Absolutely. You know, while a security envelope of sorts would work well along our southern border, it might prove more difficult to construct both size and logistic-wise than it is in Israel. But that does not mean we could not adapt the buffer zone, no man's land aspect of it to fit our needs. How so? First, we must strictly enforce all immigration laws currently on the books, no ifs, ands, or buts. And that means no get-out-of-jail-free cards either. You're arrested trying to enter our country illegally, you then immediately get set back to the country of origin. Second, We know walls do not really work, for while their presence might announce our border, they can, no matter their height, be breached. And with our walls having gates at certain points, gates, no matter how well guarded, can also be breached, as in being overrun by sheer numbers alone. And while I'm not saying walls are not needed, they are. The smart thing to do when constructing a new wall would be to have the wall past a certain height being electrified, not forgetting to do the same to all border fencing. A few crispy fried illegals would send a powerful message and would save we taxpayers the money needed to feed, house, and clothe those who in reality are criminals via their entering into our country illegally. 
Third, also in regards to the aforementioned security envelope, the land for what is an expanded buffer zone would need to be acquired from those whose now private property abuts our border. Enement domain, as in the power of our government to take private property and put it to public use with the payment of just compensation, is one way to secure the needed land. And Craig, while it surely is not the best way, it might be the only way to make a true border security envelope work. You know, it would be interesting uh, to take that approach and see what happens. I can see where it has a lot of merit, okay? Mm -hmm. But we can't stop there. We can't just stop with a security Mm -hmm. zone and enforcing existing laws. We have to take other steps. Yes. And uh, basically we can work around the land logistics issue and instead put in place a three strikes and you're out policy. Such a policy would allow for three warnings to be given to those we see entering our border illegally. And if they do not surrender to deportation, then we shoot them dead. Our already overcrowded jails will thank us for it. Remember, these are people who knowingly broke our laws to get here and kept moving forward even when told by authorities, whether it be our military or our border patrol agents, to stop. Enough is enough. We cannot and must not continue to allow our country to become not only the world's human dumping ground, but the ripe-for-the-picking cauldron from which illegal drug dealers, human traffickers, and murderers get to choose their victims from. And lastly, Biden or any Democrat must win in 2024. For if that happens, down-ticket voting, or I should say, yeah, down-ticket voting will happen as well. And with it, any chance we had to close our borders will surely be lost. America and Americans are hurting, while both those wishing to do us harm and those here for a free ride are welcomed with open Democrat arms and permanently refilled goodie bags. Case closed. You know, I like I said, I see merit in all of these possibilities as far as solutions. Um, mm-hmm. there, there is one that I would add to it, however. Okay. I think as long as we, and, and we do need a shooting military at the border. I, Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. But as long as we're going to have a shooting military down there, I think we need to do something. We need to, we need to get in touch with the president of Mexico and say, listen, Either you control these drug trafficking and human trafficking cartels, or we will. Because those cartels are in charge of the coyotes that are bringing everybody over, and nobody is getting across that border what they don't pay the cartels money. True. If if we can control those cartels, if we have shoot to kill on those cartels, That's going to slow things down a lot. Well, remember, um, 
Ron DeSantis's plan was just that, that we actually, if need be, go in and take the cartels out ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, if, if we're going to send our military down there, okay, let's have them clear out those cartels. Those cartels, all the drugs that are coming through, all the people that are coming through, all the coyotes that are running both the people and the drugs, they all work for the for the drug cartels. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to control the border, you know, stop the cartels. And if Mexico won't do it, then by God, we should. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is... This situation has gotten totally and completely out of hand. Biden is doing not a damn thing. And Obama will not allow him to do a damn thing, even if he, in a brief moment of lucidity, wanted to. Right. I mean, and and those moments are getting more and more brief all the time. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I mean, let's be honest about that. Um. This this is a very interesting op-ed because, like you say at the very top of it, some people might be a little bothered by some of these possible solutions, but suck it up, buttercup. You know, if, if we don't take strong and decisive steps, we're just giving this country away. Folks, before we go any further in this discussion, I just want to tell you where you can get your own copy of this op-ed today. Go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. You can get the link there. Or go to rspradio1.com. You can get the link there. And what you need to do is read through it, familiarize yourself with, with what she's saying. And like I said earlier, make sure you understand the gravity of the numbers, okay, because those numbers are staggering. But once you understand that and you've read through this article, share the link everywhere you can, because it's important that more people understand what some of these possibilities are and what needs to be done to get a handle on the border. You know, this isn't going to, let's, let's just say Trump wins. Okay. This isn't going to be like it was, you know, back in 2016, because the border situation is far worse now than it was when Trump stepped into office after 2016. It's only one problem. He he would have to, and I would hope, and I know he would do this, he would have to issue a number of executive orders to get things done. If they started. And, right. But if we do not keep the House and take back the Senate, even executive orders can only go so far. Right. That's That's a very good point. You know, and and the situation down there is so far out of control right now, it's going to take a monumental effort to get things under control. Right. You know, this isn't a, a thing that's going to happen in a matter of weeks. So anybody that thinks, well, you know, if we elect Trump, the border situation clears up overnight. That's not going to be the case. No. And, no, you know, unfortunately. Anybody, Anybody that's serious about getting the border under control is going to have to look at some of the possibilities you have in this op-ed. Yeah. The the security envelope, I think, is a very good idea. But we do have the problem with eminent domain 
because, you know, a lot of ranches are huge and they butt up against the border and certain pieces of those ranchers' properties would have to be bought with fair amounts, you know, to construct and everything that needs to be done. Um, Our military would have to be there at all times. A certain amount of our military, whether it be um, army or state militias or whatever, National Guard, we would have to constantly have a military presence there. But I think if it was there long enough, these people would get an idea where, you know, this is no go. We're going to be killed if we try to go. Now, also, you brought up the point about the um, Biden and the president of Mexico. Well, which president is he talking about? The real president or El Sisi? El Sisi. (laughs) You know. I mean, he needs to call El Sisi and tell him to get control of the Mexican borders. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's well, this is part of, you know, obviously part of the problem, right? Right. I mean, um, right now, Governor Greg Abbott in Texas is doing more to try and gain control of the southern border than the entire Obama-Biden regime. Exactly. And and thank you to all the governors, my state, Craig, your state, South Dakota, and, and others who are helping Governor Abbott. They've sent National Guard from their states. They've sent monies and equipments, you know, that those kudos need to be given all around. Well, and, you know, up here in South Dakota, uh, Governor Christy Nome announced today that she's going to be sending more South Dakota National Guard troops to the border to help Governor Abbott and mm-hmm. to gain control of the border. And she said in the in the minute or two we have left, she said, you know, when I was down there at the border at the end of last month, I told Governor Abbott that I'm willing to send more National Guard troops to the border, but I don't want them there under the old rules of engagement. If I'm going to send more National Guard to the border, I don't want to um, facilitate an invasion. I want my troops to stand up and stop it. Yeah, well, that's what basically all the governors who have sent uh, troops have said. But isn't it so telling that not one blue state has sent help and they are the states that are being overrun with the illegals illegals being shipped to their sanctuary states and cities and yet they don't care well they care but they don't know what to do about it no they don't care if they if they knew they would take away sanctuary designation number one and number two they would say no more no more eric Eric everything Eric Adams, mayor of New York, was out there yesterday, and people were were yelling at him. You got to get control of this. We got too many illegals in New York City, and he's like, "Well, I don't know what to do." Oh, somebody, he doesn't. He doesn't. Somebody, somebody he is said, as bad as De Blasio was. Somebody said, 
well, take away the sanctuary city status. And he just looked there, stood there looking like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. In fact, their wonderful governor has uh, signed bills that New York's going to be giving them money. Right. That's an open invitation. I mean, mean, is this woman an idiot or what? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I don't even have to think about it. The answer is yes. Right. Folks, go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. Grab the link to Border Solutions, maybe, and share it everywhere. With that, we've hit the top of the hour. That means we got to take another quick break. And when we come back, I'm talking about Puddinhead and Virtue Signaling Fools. Stay with us. There's more on Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori getting you through the Tuesday night show. And if you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button. This show in its entirety and all the rest will be right there waiting for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So for this week's commentary, there were a few things that I, you know, w- was looking at and I thought, yeah, there's just so much foolishness going on in the world right now. And I need to draw some attention to it. So I put together a commentary, Puddin' Head and Virtue Signaling Fools. 
Now, as I said, there are a few things that have been stuck in my mind over the past couple of weeks, which I believe need to be addressed. Foremost of which was the report from Biden's DOJ, which stated in plain English that Biden is an old, doddering, forgetful man who is so far gone that he can't stand trial. The report states, and I quote, Our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen, unquote. Right there, special counsel Robert Herr makes it perfectly clear that Joe Biden is guilty of both illegally retaining and willfully disclosing classified materials after leaving the office of vice president and while a private citizen. Those are federal crimes. According to attorney Jonathan Turley, quote, they could have easily, on these facts, charged the president with mishandling of classified material, willfully retaining classified material, showing that material to others, unquote. According to the Herb Report, Joe Biden's illegal, willful retaining and disclosing of classified documents while a private citizen, quote, present serious risk to national security, unquote, which, among other things, could be a violation of the Espionage Act of 2017. I mean, let's face it, those documents were all over the place, in his home, in his offices, in his garage, and other places. Guess who would have had unfettered access to documents which present serious and you know, serious risks and national security problems. That's correct, Hunter Biden. Hunter, Diane, was living large and partying in the same house where a lot of those documents were kept in boxes that were falling apart. And God knows who Hunter over had over to that house. I mean, hookers, business associates from countries that don't like us, and potentially his drug dealers. Well, you know, what's strange about all this is here it is, what her is basically saying, he's guilty, but the poor old doddering man can't stand trial. Well, if he can't stand trial, if he's well not well enough to stand trial, why is he president and why is he running again for president? <laughs> Folks, I told you in the last segment, nothing gets past Diane. (laughs) Look, Biden will not be charged with violations of federal law that could send him to jail after his term comes to a close. Because again, according to the special counsel, Robert Herr, Joe Biden is, quote, a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, unquote. Herr said it would be very difficult to convict Joe Biden because, quote, We have considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview of him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory, unquote, and a jury would be too sympathetic to find him guilty. According to the report, Biden was unable to remember within several years when his son, Beau, died of cancer, and he could not remember when he became the VP or when he left the office of VP. Remember, Robert Herr interviewed Joe for five hours over two days, and Biden was alone 
with her for those five hours. Dr. Jill, Joe's caregiver, was not there to lead him in or out of the room, wasn't there to finish Joe's sentences or prompt him. Joe had no teleprompter, and his head of White House propaganda, Corrine Jean-Pierre, wasn't there either with a binder of lies to cover his aging, forgetful ass. Also not in the room to provide cover the mainstream media with their constant proclamations that Biden is completely fine. According to Rachel Maddow, he rides a bike. Whoopie-doo. <laughs> okay, so I've got videos. I've got a bunch of videos embedded in this commentary. You can, you can see and hear Rachel Maddow make that comment. So I also included a video of Joe riding his bike, and unsuccessfully, I might add, followed by a monkey riding a bike successfully. Frankly, the monkey is clearly better at riding the bike than Joe is and would probably be better at running the country too. Now, before that report went public, Biden was talking to dead people. He recounted how he was at the G7 and spoke to the president of France, Francois Mitterrand, about the J6 so-called insurrection. Now, the problem there was that Francois Mitterrand died 28 years ago. Then he recounted how he was at the same G7 conference talking to German Chancellor Helmut Kohl, who died in 2017. Diana should come as no surprise that Joe Biden can talk to dead people because he keeps telling that story of the Amtrak conductor. In fact, over the past couple of years, he's told that story 11 times. In the story, Joe recounts how an article had been published about how he had flown 1.2 million miles as the VP. According to Joe, he was on the train to visit his dying mother when an Amtrak worker named Angelo Nergi came up to him, grabbed him by the cheeks in view of the Secret Service and said, Joey, baby, big deal at the uh, travel milestone. Now, according to Joe, Negri told him that the guys had done their own calculations at a retirement dinner and determined that Joe had traveled more, th more miles on Amtrak trains than he had on government planes. And Negri told him, Diane, I don't want to hear any more about that Air Force stuff. You know, there was a little problem with that in the fact that none of this happened until years later. Uh, yeah, here's the problem, or I should say maybe problems. Joe didn't hit the million-mile flight mark until September 2015, uh, but Negre died in May of 2014. And Joe's mother was not dying in 2015. She already died in 2010. After that report from her went public, Joe Biden called a hasty press conference well after his bedtime and showed up shuffling into the room 15 minutes late, probably because they were waiting for the meds to kick in. During his remarks, Joe insisted that he was fine and that his memory wasn't failing. In fact, he was angry at the implication that he had become an old fool. He couldn't remember where Biden's rosary came from, and he said that he was the one who talked to Mexico's president, El Sisi, 
into opening the gate so that aid could get into Gaza. Now, either Mexico now shares a border with Gaza or El Sisi has left Egypt to become the president of Mexico. But one thing is certain, Biden's fine and his memory is not failing. <laughs> For Super Bowl Sunday, it's customary for the occupier of the Oval Office to do a short pregame interview. But once again, Biden snubbed that opportunity because supposedly he was not available. But I think we all know the real reason he didn't want to do it. After the Her report, and after all that talking to dead people and thinking that Mexico now shares a border and a president with Egypt, it just wouldn't have looked right for Biden to sit there, stumbling over his words and being proctored by Dr. Jill, but not available. Diane, obviously he was available because on Super Bowl Sunday, he released a video squawking about, of all things, shrinkflation. Yeah, shrinkflation. I love all these made-up words for his failures. But anyway, there was something very strange about that video in and of itself. You know, if you look at the video, and I've got it in the blog so you can watch it, it lasts less than a minute, and it was edited 14 times. Now, that leads me to believe that Biden was unable to read his way through it without flubbing his lines, and tons of edits became necessary to make him look coherent. Also... How about the opening line in that video? He says that during the Super Bowl, he likes to be surrounded by a snack or two. Now, it should come as no surprise that a metal pygmy like Joe Biden could be surrounded by a snack. Of <laughs> course, companies are packaging smaller amounts and selling them at the same old price. If they weren't doing that, they would have to charge more for them, making shrinkflation the only remedy for Biden's inflation. Frankly, I was surprised he didn't say he'd recently been talking to Orville Redenbacher, who died in 1995. And finally, as long as we're sort of on the topic of the Super Bowl, let me unpack a few thoughts about the game and some of the crap I saw on social media after the game. Nearly all of the post-game chatter on social media revolved around a couple of topics. First, it was about the moment in the game when Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey yelled at and bumped his coach, Andy Reid. Well, people were coming unglued. One post after another were calling that moment uncalled for, horrible, and a disgrace. People across my feeds we're calling for Kelsey to be fined, benched, and or fired. And nearly all of that was coming from the right side of the political aisle. These are the very same people who for years have been against cancel culture. Listen, football at that level is a tough game and emotions run high. Kelsey didn't like not being in the game during a crucial high-stakes play that went south for his team and he let his coach know it. If that offends you, and apparently it offended a good many people, perhaps football isn't the sport you should be watching. To be clear, football is a sport neither for ninnies nor nannies, and it is especially not a sport for ninny nannies. After the game, in an interview, Coach Andy Reid was laughing about it. 
Did Kelsey cross the line? Yes. Did he know he crossed the line? Yes. He admitted that he was wrong. Coach Reed also said that shortly after the bump and yell, Kelsey came to him and apologized, and according to Tom Brady, quote, there's always little family issues, and of course I don't mind seeing it because I was part of a lot of those things. Brady went on to say emotions are high. You are definitely not centered and balanced. You're not in a meditative state at that point. I actually think Coach Reed handled it just awesome like he always does because he just said, I was a little off balance and Travis is such a competitor. Diane, it's so interesting to hear other people's takes on this, but good grief, the man apologized moments later and admitted that he shouldn't have done it. Well, you know, me and football, I really could care less. (laughs) I'm sorry, but... uh... This has gotten to the point of ridiculous, not only with Biden, but now sports is involved in ridiculous things. When is our country going to wake up and screw their heads back on the right way? Well, look, I think people are more concerned with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift than they are with Joe and Campbell. And I think that's a huge problem. That's true. That's what true. Are the- One of the other things I feel compelled to bring up is all the crap surrounding someone Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, Taylor Swift, had in the skybox. I call her a little orphan Annie, but she's also known as Ice Spice. I guess she's a rapper with a potty mouth and a friend of Taylor Swift. But what people were pointing out about her was that she was wearing an upside-down cross and flashing a hand sign of the devil. Look, I don't know who the hell this girl is, neither do I give a happy damn, but that was not an upside-down cross. It was a Greek cross. And as for the hand signs, she made those after Patrick Mahomes ran for a first down in overtime, and the hand sign is that of a goat. Now, I admit that I'm not familiar with satanic hand signs because I haven't attended the satanic rituals or their conventions as I have reason to suspect so many holier-than-thou social media experts have. But I have attended my share of sporting events over the years, and I clearly know that a GOAT, G-O-A-T in the sports world, is the acronym for the greatest of all time. Then there was all the crap regarding Taylor Swift and her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, being horrible role models for children and how so many of the ninny nannies don't want their own spawn to be like Swift or Kelsey. Well, guess what? If you're relying on multi-million dollar celebrities and athletes to set the standards of behavior for your kids, you may be the worst parents on the planet. Here's my advice. Leave being offended on behalf of others to the liberals. They're far better at it than those on the right side of the aisle. And before you engage in virtue signaling, another absurd strong point of the liberal ilk, just ask yourself how you would like to be judged for some five seconds when you weren't on your best behavior. If you think your precious little girl is about to become a Satan-worshipping devil child, 
because she saw some rapper flashing a greatest of all time hand signal. You're an idiot and your dumbass will drive her to drink long before seeing Taylor Swift, a 34-year-old adult having adult beverages in a skybox, ever will. And if you think your son might grow up to be a little overly competitive during the big game just because he wants to be on the field when the chips are down, maybe you should teach Junior how to properly use the tampons in the boys' bathroom at his public school. Seriously, you should be more concerned with Joe and Kamala than with Travis and Taylor. Just saying. Well, that's true. But in my case, I could care less about football and care even less about overpaid so-called celebrities who basically contribute nothing to society. And and folks, if you read my article, you will see that it has nothing to do with football and everything to do with these overpaid athletes and celebrities. Like I said, if you're relying on them to teach your children behavioral standards, you're a fool and a terrible parent. True. You You can't count on multi-million dollar celebrities and athletes to be the role models for your kids? Good God. No. You know, no, I, you be the role models for your kids. Exactly. But, you know, a lot of parents nowadays, unfortunately, need to hold down two and three jobs. Kids are, you know, latchkey kids. They're left with uh, computers and computer games and The whole way of being has changed in this country, and I know when it started. Well, I do too. But you know, if your kid, yeah, but if your kid is sitting there making TikTok videos and taking selfies in the bathroom, it is stress to them how stupid they are. Take away their phone privileges. Do something. I mean, I understand people are busy, and I understand people have to work more than one job to make ends meet. I get it. Okay. But raising your kids is the most important thing you'll ever do if you have kids. Okay. And you can easily step in where you see them going south and turn them around. Oh, yeah. But, you know. Your kid sees Travis Kelsey yelling at his coach or he sees Taylor Swift having an adult beverage. She's 34 years old. She's entitled to have an adult beverage if she wants one. Right. Or you see this this little orphan Annie with the bright orange hair flashing a sign, and you don't even know what it was. You assume it was a devil-worshipping sign because that's what some other idiot on Facebook told you it was. Do a little research and find out what you're talking about. Yeah, that, well, that's the whole collapse of, of societal norms. It's a perfect example. We no longer understand what's normal and what's right and what's wrong anymore. All the lines are blurred into anything goes. You could believe what you want. You can make up anything you want about anybody and it's truth. Yeah, if you see it on the internet, it's got to be true. Has you know? to be. And all these holier than thou's—they're just looking for this kind of crap. Okay. Oh One yeah. holier than thou posted up on Facebook. Oh look, she's flashing a sign of a devil. 
they all jump on board, oh, she's a Satan worshiper. She's wearing a Greek cross. And I don't I know. know anything about this girl. I don't really care about her. She's a rapper. That's all I know. Okay, And that's not my music, so I don't give a crap. But she's flashing the greatest of all times. It's a goat. Yeah. Well, yeah. in my case, I don't care about any athlete or any civilian. I mean, um, not civilian. Any athlete or any Celebrity. singer. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, I, I understand that. But the reason I bring it up in this article is because it's having an effect on people who are on our side of the aisle because they're not thinking. Thinking is too hard for some people. They don't want to That's do it. That's true. You know, That's and I'm trying true. to jolt them into a, a sense of reality. Use some common sense. Do a little research. Know what you're talking about. Just because somebody posts something absurd on social media, don't automatically think it's true and share it. But that's what people are doing. And it's crazy. You know, it we've got crazy. problems in this country. And, and you know, our problems, a lot of them can be dealt with by people being careful about who they vote for. Okay? Oh, but yeah. if they're If they're so stupid, they're letting celebrities and athletes set the standards of behavior for the kids, and they're just reposting crap they see on social media because they want it to be true because they're holier than thou's, and they want everybody to know that they noticed a satanic, a satanic symbol when it really wasn't one. Okay, Maybe they're not smart enough to vote. Maybe they're suffering from some of the same ills as old Puddinhead over there at 1600 Penn. Well, you know what's um, really strange about all of this is that people in this country have lost their way, basically. We used to be on track. We used to be proud of who America is. Now you have a vast majority damning America every chance they get. Right. Siding with America's enemies, and yet they want all the benefits ha America has to offer, and they want it for free. Well, it, it's like you and I have always said, and I've said this for decades and decades. You know, the, the time to be involved in politics is not just in an election year. It's all the time in between elections. If you think you can solve this country's problems by just going to the voting booth and pulling the lever and then take the next four years off or two years off, depending on the race, you're sadly mistaken. Our founders and framers meant for the people to be involved every day. Absolutely. And it's not just in elected you know, positions. Be aware of what's going on. Don't take... Every news commentator's word is gospel truth because most of them, except for a handful, they're just reading off a teleprompter. Somebody else is writing their stuff. Yeah. They're, they're You've got to do research yourself. Right. And that's what I'm trying to get people to do. Look, Buttonhead is, you know, a lost cause. He stumbled twice going up the short stairs on Air Force One today. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Um, he's talking to dead people. 
you know, I mean, he can't figure out how to get on or off a stage. Once he's on the stage, he doesn't even know where to stand. That's true. Let alone know what to say. You know, uh, uh, and now he's trying to cover up whatever's left of the her report. He doesn't want it made public. He doesn't want the transcript out there. He doesn't want recordings or videos of it out there. You know, if if he's fine and his memory is fine, he has nothing to worry about. He should just let him put it out there. So exactly. That tells me pretty much all I need to know, right? Exactly. But look, Biden is a lost cause. I'm not going to make fun of his dementia. He's got a physical ailment. Okay, you've got a physical ailment. Your wife abuser knows it and still allows you to be made a mockery of in public. It's time to go, Joe. You need professional help and medical help. You Please don't sir. be you don't need to be running for president because guess what? Next to Obama, you're the worst president this country has ever had. Nobody's happier the, about that than Jimmy Carter. Right. Hey, at least Jimmy Carter, after he was president, did tremendous humanitarian work. Well, you know, the DNC, in the minute we have left, the DNC the other day put out a Democrat President's Day greeting on X. You know, happy President's Day to the Democrats, right? Mm -hmm. And and in in the artist's rendering, they had Obama, they had Billy Boy, and they had Puddinhead Joe. Oh, the three worst in uh, modern history, huh? They left out Jimmy Carter. Ah. Who's still alive. Mm. And we know that he's still alive because Joe Biden hasn't spoken to him lately. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, but you know to, what? No, but oh. seriously. Once he left the presidency, he did become a good representative, uh, Habitat Humanity, and yeah, other yeah. assorted things. Um, yep. yep. He was better in the private sector than he was in the government sector. Wouldn't take much. Folks, go to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com. Grab the link to Puddinhead and Virtue Signaling Fools and share it everywhere. You can also get it at rspradio1.com. And I've got six videos embedded in that blog to illustrate exactly what I'm talking about all the way through it. But with that, Diane, we've run out of time for tonight's show. And with that, I will say nighty-night, folks. Folks, have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you again on Friday. Bye-bye.